Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and a deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and this is Agnes. So, without further ado, today the Girl Taku will be about revisiting old classic anime. So, the how did we define old classic anime? Basically, together we have decided anything that was before 2010 would be considered older and classic anime. Our reasoning for that in particular is because we feel around 2010 is when anime sort of really shot off in uh in cultural sense in regards to around the entire world and across different ethnic groups and different races. And so, and that's also around 2010, I believe, when we started getting like 50 and 60 anime per season versus in the past, before that, we used to get like 15 or 20, you know? So it's not really the sort of insane amount of, yeah, actually in the past, like my entire watch list can potentially be more than the amount of anime that gets released in the past. So specifically, we wanted to focus on that shift and the anime that occurred before that. Additionally, uh, that particular point of when we picked for the year is also because we would have been younger back then when we watched it. So it's always a little fun to see how our opinions and our views and perspectives of certain older classic anime have changed as we've gotten older. With that being said, Isabel, you will be starting us off today. So what are two classic older anime that, you know, you've revisited or, you know, you've just thought about recently? And, you know, what are your thoughts about it now? Any new sort of perspective, any new appreciation or even, you know, any new sort of uh, like critiques about these anime that you've thought about? Yeah, uh, definitely. The I realized looking through a list of older anime I've seen, I realized that I haven't seen that much like I now have to kind of go back and watch these things like I only watched like Cowboy Bebop maybe two to three years ago and I could have seen it when I was much younger but I think I was too stuck in the Naruto bleach stuff like, <laughs> I was following so many episodes that I just didn't have time to watch or other things or they didn't really interest me as much because I think a lot of the older series are kind of more I guess they're a little bit more mature in a sense, uh, depending mm -hmm. on what you watch. Yeah. And um, the pacing is totally different. I think if you go back and watch the pacing, um, mm -hmm. a lot of it's more slice of life where they really build out the story. And I think that's something that we don't see so much in current day anime, just because a lot of the episodes are trying to cover, if they're doing a manga adaptation, they'll cover so many chapters in a couple of episodes. Which is why I'm afraid like when I go through you know, all these uh you know, seasons and shows, I feel like I'm forgetting more than I did than what I might have remembered in the past when there's less oh, to watch. Oh, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like a lot more space between or just like character development, things like that. Um, but yeah, the first one I start with is just a very, uh, pretty much a great classic. I feel like uh, everyone can watch this and it's, had, had, and it's had so many adaptations as well. Um, but it is Death Note. And that actually came out in 2006. Mm -hmm. and, Sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I would still recommend that to anyone who is trying to get into anime or just want to know, you know, what some of the best anime, at least back in the day, that got people into watching anime. And yeah, just Death Note. I've seen so many. I've seen like there's like live action of it and, um, and other. I feel like maybe there's a movie too. Or there was a live a adaptation as well. I remember I, that I barely watched. But I think the story of Death Note is just so 
very interesting to watch and it keeps you definitely wondering about what light is going to do and then when L pops up you're just wondering what's exactly what's going to happen and just this simple concept of the death note where light you know picks essentially just picks it uh picks it up one day and then realizes you know this is something that you know if you write a name in the book they die and that simple concept throughout the whole show just kept me interested at least as a kid I was like how you know that's that's so weird you know um and I haven't seen anything like it so far not to mention the storytelling and you know moving on to the other characters later on in the series as well um and I think a reason why I like Death Note as well is kind of that detective work that goes behind it I I also I guess from that I've liked more detective shows or dramas or things like that where there's I know there's like a lot of talking but I find it interesting when I don't know um, the motive behind the person I just want to know how they solve that or you know certain clues that they might leave out so I like all of that questioning and just wondering what might happen um but yeah Death Note is definitely a series that stays in my mind uh I haven't gone back to watch it just because it's so memorable to me like I kind of know what happens and it's nice to know that other people enjoy it as well and there's many adaptations of it but yeah did you guys have any thoughts about that or would have you guys gone back to watch Death Note at all or seen any of the other adaptations of it I just know of the really crappy Netflix adaptation that they tried to have. (laughs) That's like the most popular mainstream for like a long time. But Death Note is definitely one of those classics where you rewatch it, you discover more as you mature, you kind of understand the whole like the mass, like the machinations behind like Light, behind Ligami, and a lot of the uh, other characters as well. You were going to say, Gracie? Oh, um, so I did not revisit Death Note recently, but I did want to point out someone who has, which is Mother's Basement, which I actually thought he had some pretty funny, great points to make. So uh, this is actually in conjunction with his Classroom of the Elite video in particular, but he sort of realizes that as, or actually based on even the comment section, it does seem like the boys have started to cringe more about Death Note as an adult than they did as like um, as a teenager versus the women who had watched Death Note as a kid don't seem to cringe when they look back to it. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting juxtaposition happening between the genders. I mean, Nico, Nico kind of cringes about Death Note now. And so, um, and I definitely don't cringe at it when I think back to it at, um, at all. But One thing that I thought was interesting from his perspective is that, you know, he did think it sort of appeals to the whole edgy edgelord that teenagers Mm -hmm. really like and stuff like that. But he says um, and so he's like, I don't enjoy it now as an adult, per se. But what I do enjoy is the fact that the visuals and the direction of the anime was still really, really well done. For example, and he brought it up, the famous chip scene, you know, that you've also brought up before, Isabel, where he was like um, trying to make sure Al doesn't see what he's doing. He's like, I'll eat a chip. And it's like so dramatic. But he still says like that moment in the way they directed it was so extremely well done from an artistic perspective, even though it's kind of hilarious in context of the actual story. And so, and he says like for him personally, that's what's kind of missing between modern anime nowadays versus the older classic anime. 
recently. And of course, that largely has to do with the fact of how the industry is operating back then versus now. Of course, you know, there's always been problems with the anime industry, but I do believe in like the early 2000s era is when the creatives had a little more control over what they wanted to do and specifically what kind of, you know, schedule they wanted. And so for that reason, he said like, you know, the edgy edgelord of teenage anime today versus before, like, it's just there's a clear visual distinction where one clearly has time to be as dramatic and flamboyant and like and like beautiful as much as they want to. And the other one is just slideshows of like scenes happening over and over again. So that was an observation he made in regards to revisiting Death Note and specifically comparing it to all the edgy teenage edgelords who like uh, Ayo no Koji from Classroom of the Lead. So um, I thought his perspective was interesting to bring up. but. Yeah, I, uh, you know, Nico's not here, but Nico has also said when he thinks back to Death Note, he, like, can't help but kind of cringe a little. I don't cringe when I think back to it. I still thought it was really fun. I love, you know, I I like the whole, like, detective versus criminal story that, you know, Sherlock and uh, Moriarty is very famous for. I wouldn't say they created the trope, but they certainly popularized that trope, if nothing else. And so um, that's a classic trope that gets used very well and personally I like a lot. So I don't really have an issue with it per se I still think it's fun and enjoyable I probably just won't think it's as smart as I used to think but that's it I would still find it to be a fun anime so yeah oh yeah thanks for sharing that as well like the different viewpoints yeah I wonder why it's super cringe uh for people but I can see that as well kind of the the moments that you thought were kind of cool when you were younger and you see it as adults you're just you're just like "Mm, maybe not so much but yeah, I, I also think it's just the maturity of a male versus a female brain at that point, because um, I feel like females at that point watching Death Note when they're like in middle school or high school, their brains have already matured so much that they understand, they intuitively understand the distinction between what is cringe and what is acceptable in terms of like a, a good story or a good mystery versus for males, they're just so wrapped up in the idea of like the edginess that they immediately equate it to cool but they don't they they aren't able to fully distinguish what is actually cool what is cringe and but or what is actually good in a story I see. I actually, you know, I do see what you're saying because it has been scientifically proven that like boys their brains develop a little slow or a little later not slower sorry it's the one track brain right it's yeah, the, the monkey yeah. the monkey brain Yeah, I see what <laughs> you're saying so it's like for us, it's like even when we look back on it, we're our mindset is obviously different, but not too different where we're like our opinions is just completely. Oh, my gosh. OK, I think I know what it is. Probably as teenagers, we liked Death Note and we thought it was fun. And it was uh, it was just like one of those cool anime that we didn't obsess over it. I don't think uh, unless t- the two of you had, but I didn't obsess over it. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, don't no. remember a lot of girls obsessing over it hard as compared to guys yeah. who would be mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be so edgy and write a name yes. in a notebook and see what happens, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> At that point, most girls just a- appreciate a lot of the aesthetic that was in Death Note and the bigger psychological mystery and the, the, the suspense in the movie. Yes. But the guys are more attracted to just the aesthetic only. And <laughs> that's like the one thing that they latched onto when they were a kid. I think, I think we figure it out. There we go. So that's why for the guys, there's a bit of a gap when they think back to Death Note versus us where we were like, oh yeah, it was still enjoyable and fun and it was suspenseful and the chip scene was hilarious. <laughs> and so, right, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so I think that definitely resolves that. Uh, yeah, so if that is your first classic anime, you know, that you want to revisit, uh, what is your second one? Is, is, like, did you want to talk about Cowboy Bebop or is it another one? You know, because you said you realized you hadn't watched as many as you thought you did. Yeah, so this is the only one, other one I feel like I've watched. Like, um, I have watched Cowboy Bebop. I think the other one was Samurai Champloo, but I had only watched half of it and I still need to get back to it. Okay. It's been like three years since I've said that, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, the other one I actually want to talk about is Berserk. Um, oh, okay. The Golden Age? Golden Age, Conviction Age. Um, yeah, I don't know too many about of exactly which arc. Was it the Was it the one that was in the, the, the one that everyone talks about, which is like in the 1990s? Yeah, it's the 1997 okay. version. Okay, okay, there you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It has to be like very distinct from like the most recent version from Berserk because I know everyone just likes it. Here's the thing I did watch that one in 2016 though when it came out, the CG CG version. And what's funny is that I watched that first. Okay. (laughs) Whoa, okay. People tell me I'm crazy for watching it because I did it. I I thought it was a remake. Like I honestly didn't look into it. And in 2016, I thought oh, like, Berserk is getting a remake. Like, everybody's been talking about this. I want to check it out. So I started watching it, and I was thoroughly confused. And even though I was confused, I couldn't stop watching it, which is so funny, um, because everyone was like, this is terrible. This this is not doing Berserk any justice. Um, But for me, it, like, I didn't didn't know what Berserk was about. So just watching... (laughs) So watching that, I was just like, so confused like what is this i didn't know that this type of dark fantasy like i didn't know there were all these monsters and things like that or things like apostles and all this stuff involved in this story i just thought it was some type of you know medieval story about guts and he's like the black swordsman and he wields a giant sword that's like all i thought it was going to be and so when i saw that i you know i had it in the back of my head and then after that i went back and watched the 1997 um kind of like the beginnings of guts and their backstory so it was interesting it was a different type of experience for me just because i kind of knew what had like guts had the had these uh, ideas about griffith and like what happened in the past still you know haunting him obviously in in the version i in the arc that i watched in 2016 so i was wondering you know how did that happen and so going back and watching it i i finally get the full story kind of felt like watching like a flashback for me Mm. um and yeah, just in that version. I don't know. Have either of you gone back to watch the 1997 version or? <laughs> no, I actually didn't touch most of Berserk. Actually, I never got into it. I know that there's a lot of people that praise it to the moon and back, and for rightful reasons. But I never actually got to watch it. Okay, what about you, Gracie? Any anything? Have you what read the manga at all or? <laughs> So I have not read the manga, though I know the art from the manga is insane. Um, But specifically for me, I have not revisited it, but I did rewatch certain clips on YouTube because the 1997 anime is um, they do have clips on YouTube. And so I have like rewatched certain scenes that I particularly just liked and I just want to sort of remember and revisit. And I still really love it. In fact, I probably would like it a little more now is my guess as an adult versus back as a teenager the shock value did get a little too much for me at times and it was just and I think I was just unused to the violence and stuff like that and so 
there were times where it really, really bothered me as a kid when I was watching it, but then I was too invested in the story to really let it go as well as the characters. Uh, but as an adult, I'm less sort of, you know, I guess rattled by that. And then on top of that, I, you know, I watch anime so much now that I actually really appreciate the animation. I know the art style is old and not as pretty as it is today. Like, admittedly, I like our character designs in modern day more than I did our character designs in the past. But I cannot deny that the animation was a lot better. And, you know, whether it's because they simply had more time to work on it and, the state of the industry isn't where it is right now. So, uh, but the story itself still holds very strong for me. And Berserk is funnily enough, sort of a measure I have because I'm not really into dark stories in the first place. Uh, I like, you know, stories written just for the sake of the character's suffering. That is not something I'm ever interested in. That's actually why I dropped Tokyo Ghoul halfway through because I was like, at this point, it's just making Ken Kaneki suffer. And yes, he gets like power ups and stuff, but then he just goes back to suffering. So I'm not really interested in something like that. But Berserk is sort of my line because it is very dark and there is a lot of suffering. But at the very least, there is moments as well as the main theme is a sense of the fact that they're going to get to the end of the tunnel and see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is what I was going for. So anyway, uh, so I haven't revisited it, but I have seen clips of it on YouTube that I like to revisit just specific moments and scenes just to enjoy it again. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, most I believe most of the series actually on YouTube and available to watch, which is. Oh, really? really? <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't realize the whole thing was on there. But yeah, both English sub uh, and dubbed. And I have no idea how it's still on YouTube, but I was surprised to see it all on the, on there. Well, I watched mm -hmm. Berserk 1997 as a teenager on YouTube, video one mm. out of 16. <laughs> so... Oh my god, Gracie, please. <laughs> don't you guys want to reminisce the old days? <laughs> I don't miss the old days, Gracie. Do not remind me how painful it was trying to track parts of an anime, let and alone one of it's like parts one, two, and then you can't find three, but you find four. And you're like, where did three go? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yes. So before anime was readily available everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's my thoughts on Berserk. Uh, how did you feel going from the 2016 version to the 1997? Like the animation itself is such a shift. <laughs> It is such a shift. I think in 2016 version, like kind of like the more violent parts, it's it's easier to kind of like black out or just like not see because it's like so dark. Um, it was definitely more violent in the 1997 version. And I think I definitely do prefer the 1997 version just because the art is, you know, the art is there. I really like the character designs. And not only that, kind of like the focus. Um, I think like you mentioned before, Agnes, kind of like the direction or I don't know who mentioned it before, Gracie or Agnes, but um kind of like the focus on the characters and their like emotions and I realize a lot of the it's not so much like talking like you'll see a, like a more recent anime a lot of the characters will talk through everything that they're doing like I yeah. see this a lot in mm -hmm. you know my hero where they're like oh I'm gonna do this this is the next step and then you know how this will pan out but in Berserk it's a lot of it a lot of it's through dialogue um that I noticed and then also kind of like the usage of like sound, like there are a lot of scenes that I realized were just didn't have any music in the background. It was just a lot of, you know, uh, just to, I guess, make the scene stand out more for the audience, kind of like just the clinking of like swords or things like that. 
um, instead of having some type of background music and they'll and the music will come you know in emotional parts or things like that I do agree it's definitely you know a super mature themed um, and I feel like if I did watch it as a kid I would feel like my stomach would be in knots from watching it and wonder why am I watching this or just seeing so much I guess suffering and death in the series but now that we've seen so many other series I feel like you know half of it is like okay I, I've seen this before and obviously as you age you're like more okay with it so I think it's a good series to revisit at some point uh, my next goal will be going to the manga and see because I think the manga panels are really, really beautiful and I think I would really appreciate how they were drawn especially um by the artists mm -hmm. yeah for sure I um you know that the anime monologue is a very famous part of anime now but you know when you revisit the old anime you kind of realize it really wasn't a thing <laughs> until <laughs> recently so yeah that's a very good observation you made right there Alrighty then. So, Agnes, it is your turn in regards to revisiting these old classics. And one thing I did forget to know is that we are allowing, or as it's already obvious now, but we are allowing a classic anime that have had reboots throughout the years because it's still considered classic in regards to the original version that was created. So why shouldn't we talk about it? So with that being said, Agnes, what are two classic anime, so anime that had came out before 2010 that you've revisited or you've thought about recently and did your perspective on them change, whether it's more critiques for it or, you know, more appreciation for it? For sure. So the first one that I want to talk about is actually an anime movie that has always been on my mind since I was a kid and I didn't get a chance to rewatch it until when I was in college. And that would have been the Studio Ghibli Spirited Away movie. Ooh, my um, favorite. Okay. <laughs> favorite? Okay. I was traumatized by that movie as a kid. Um, really? Particularly oh. because I was so shocked and afraid and horrified when Shihiro's parents kept eating food and then they turned into pigs. Ah, uh, okay. And I, as a kid, could not stomach that at all. Like, as much as I am the type of person I, that I am now who likes horror, which is like, very ironic, at the time, I like I think I cried because I straight up could not imagine my parents turning into pigs. Aww. And then the fact that they would stay as pigs for like an eternity and you basically had to pick your their fate for them, I was like completely traumatized as a kid. I never went back. But then I start, I rewatched it with a couple friends because they're they're not anime otaku's. They don't watch a lot of anime. They've never watched Studio Ghibli movies before. So we sat down to watch Spirited Away, and I found that my hunch as a kid from watching Spirited Away from the very beginning was actually correct because the rest of Spirited Away is still very haunting. <laughs> oh my gosh, you had a hard time with that movie, huh? <laughs> I did because I think the fact that it's so when I was a kid, I got lost a lot. Like, it's very common for me to get lost in a grocery store. It is still very common for me to get lost in a grocery store, too. <laughs> um, but I'm not as afraid now. But when I was a kid, I got lost a lot. And the whole premise of Spirited Away is that Chihiro, you know, she loses her parents. Her parents become slaves of the witch. And she is lost in this world that is both be beautiful and terrifying. And she has to basically work her wages figure out a way to beat the witch and then also find a way to get home. Like those things are like absolutely terrifying in a child's eye. And even rewatching it, I felt a little bit like 
scared for Chihiro because I'm just like, if I was five, six years old at her age, I would probably have died within the first two scenes of this movie. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, considering how much I could get lost, I probably would get in trouble somewhere and end up in a ditch or something. So watching Spirit Away, I found that it was a lot more scary still, even as an adult, and I could never shake off that feeling of unsettledness. Like, I like Princess Mononoke a lot more, like the whole like battle and war and things like that. I thought that was great. I love it. Um, but my feelings for Spirit Away has always been that I was slightly traumatized by it as a child. And it is still very weird to think that something could happen to your parents, but you just don't know it, you know? Yeah, that's an interesting, uh, that's an interesting angle, definitely. And, uh, you know, you saying it kind of explains why I wasn't scared by Spirited Away, because my parents would never act the way that her parents did like ever 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 my parents are very like if they make a plan they're following that plan and they're going through with that plan and anything outside of the plan is unacceptable <laughs> oh no no oh no i mean my parents do that too like they plan trips very well the thing that i'm most terrified about is because all three of us and when my dad was still alive are foodies <laughs> i like to eat a lot <laughs> so that's just yeah, see, there's no way, like, and oh, and on top of that, my mom is an extreme extrovert, so the second she enters that area and sees there's no one, it does not matter how good the food smells, she's like, we are getting out of here! So, <laughs> uh, my parents like food a little bit too much, <laughs> this is why I'm the way that I am. Yeah, so I think that's actually why as a kid it never scared me, because I'm like, this will never happen, <laughs> like, it's just impossible for my parents to ever react that way. My dad would never want to be anywhere without people because he is suspicious of everything and my mom would never want to be anywhere without people because she needs to have a bunch of people for her to feel like she's in the right place and then on top of that See, my parents is the opposite because my dad hates people <laughs> <laughs> he, hate he doesn't like parties it's like it's like you're dragging him by his teeth to get him out of the house to go to parties. He gets like separation anxiety and stuff like that too. Um, but I remember when I was growing up, my dad was like a little bit more on the rotund side. He was like, he, like when he was younger, when he was in college, he was skinny. He was a twig. And then after he got married and then after he had me as his kid, he started getting like more round. So I could see that in my dad too. I was like, oh, sh <laughs> don't do this to me. Don't turn him into a pig. <laughs> Now you know why our experiences are so different. <laughs> yeah, our experiences are very different. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Isabel? Did Spirited Away scare you? <laughs> yeah, I saw it when I was older, like around in college again. Um, okay. My sister's okay. the one who dragged me to watch it. She actually loved it as a kid. Um, but for her, she was she wasn't terrified of the pigs, but she was scared of the witch. I think she was like that. Mm. That's so oh, scary. Yeah, she that that woman's warty as hell. Mm -hmm. She has so many words. Yeah, so like, and then like, just you know, the her like super, you know, big eyes and just kind of like huge head. Like she said that that scared her when she watched it as a kid. Regardless, mm. she still liked the adventure thing about so, uh, adventure, um, and she wanted me to watch it with her. Just so she's she said you have to watch Spirited Away, so I did. Um, so for me, I feel like I just more appreciated kind of like the art behind it. Like a lot of there was a lot of colors, and then also the music. I had been hearing the music for years since middle school so that the music is really me. good yeah yeah oh it's always great it's always a treat with there's a particular piano piece in spirited away that i remember as a kid i would just hum all the time because it just gets stuck in your head so easily mm -hmm. and i also hum it when i feel sad because <laughs> i feel like it sets the mood <laughs> <So> <laughs> i 
I was that type it's, of kid, you, guys. You know, like how on YouTube they have like those those playlists, like like Dark Academia music, yes, yes. or like you're your own playlist, Gracie. <laughs> the moment that you want to feel sad, you sing the Ghibli. Yeah, song. no, I just like I feel bad and lonely, especially if I feel lonely, which uh, unfortunately happened a lot as a kid because I was an only child and an extrovert on top of that. So, um, and then so I would just sit by myself in the playroom. I just go. You know, if this was any, if this was taken out of context, like if you put it into a horror movie, that would be even more horrifying of this lonely child just singing to herself. Okay, this is a very normal thing as an only child who is That's an true. extrovert. I also an only child. Yeah, yeah. See, okay, it doesn't even have to be an extrovert to actually, do it. Actually, I was, I was probably a lot worse. I actually talked to myself at one point. Oh, my grandma I, I do that too. I or I did that. I did that too. I did. I did that up until like middle school, high school, and when I was staying yeah. with my grandparents, my grandma would like poke her head through the door. She's like, "Are you talking to somebody?" I'd be like, "No." <laughs> she would be. Dude, we have the same experience. I did the same thing up until middle school, and the only reason why I stopped is because I knew how to dial phone numbers, so I would talk to my friends instead. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so uh, it's funny because my so. Spirited Away is one of my favorite all-time favorite movies, and it's my favorite Studio Ghibli movies. But the craziest thing that happened with Spirited Away with me is I watched it when I was like in first or second grade, and once again, didn't scare me because once again, parents would never be pigs <laughs> at, the, at the way they are. <laughs> um, but then I was obsessed with Haku. I had like the biggest crush on that dragon. I like especially when he turned out to be a dragon. I was like, <gasps> so. Um, <laughs> And I wanted like him and Chihiro to be a thing like in like in Disney princesses movies so so badly. Obviously, I like at the end they weren't, and I was okay with it because I thought the whole thing was amazing. But I just had a huge thing for Haku. And then the craziest thing is I got the entire cul-de-sac of my neighborhood into that movie. <laughs> of course, he got your cul-de-sac. Of- Wow. Why am I surprised? I shouldn't be surprised because this is what you would do to everybody. My mom was like scared because every single kid in the cul-de-sac was in our playroom watching that movie. Because what would happen is that I invited my neighbors um, when we were friends and we were kids over. And I was like, oh, I love this movie right now. It's all about love, you know, but it's a different type of love. It's not like Disney. Like, you've never seen this before. And so she would come <laughs> and then her siblings would come to get her. And then her siblings would be like, what are you watching? And I'd be like, oh, it's, like you know, this amazing movie. <laughs> and it's all oh, about geez. love and la la. And so then instead of coming to get her, they decide to stay. And then the other kids playing outside are like, where did the other, you know, kids go? And so, and so someone would say, I think they went to Gracie. And so ding dong goes the doorbell. My mom opens the door and they're like, it's Gracie and like these other kids here. And my mom's like, yeah, they're upstairs. And so they come upstairs and they'd be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, oh, we're watching this amazing movie. <laughs> did you have to like rewind the whole clip? Like I the did. whole movie? Did you watch it like three times in one sitting because I you kept did. inviting people I to did. watch it? Yeah, like I had to rewind to the beginning so oh. many many times but none of the kids minded honestly even the kids who were already there they did not mind and so before we knew it the entire cul-de-sac of kids were up in the playroom watching spirited away and then i distinctly remember when it finished there was this collective like sigh that came out (laughs) (laughs) oh man good times kid gracie was wild (laughs) 
Alrighty, so if that is one of the first anime that you've revisited that was an older and classic anime, what's a second one? The second one is something that is related to what we discussed about how there are animes right now that have reboots, but mm. back then they were considered classics. And I wanted to talk about Trigun. Ah, um, good choice! Specifically the okay. difference between the original Trigun and Trigun Stampede. So when I was growing up, I never got a chance to quite watch Trigun from start to finish. I knew like bits and pieces and clips from here and there and a lot of the really cool character designs and the mangaka behind Trigun and I've always wanted to watch it but there was something about Trigun that didn't quite appeal to me at the very beginning and that was the premise of how it starts where it's not as concise as you would want it to be it sort of meanders because compared to Trigun Stampede which is the current CGI reboot of the original series the original Trigun starts off with Vash having no memories he doesn't know who he is he doesn't know why he has his arm. He doesn't know why he is a he's on a wanted poster. And he goes around trying to figure out what's the deal with his amnesia. And he's being tracked down by Millie Thompson and uh, the other girl who is wearing like the blue barrette. They actually are not news reporters, but they're actually insurance agents who are trying to follow Vash and claim the insurance on his head. Because it's supposed to be like this whole Western bounty kind of setting but in a sci-fi post-apocalyptic world and for most of Trigun you actually don't meet the true villain of Trigun which is Vash's older brother um, until like very much like halfway to the near end of the series and it's a whole convoluted story about Vash trying to understand who he is but the current Trigun, which is Trigun Stampede, the DCGI by Studio Orange, takes a drastically different turn from the original Trigun series, where instead Trigun Stampede features Vash, who has all of his memories, but he's being hunted by somebody. And he knows that the person who's trying to hunt for him is his older brother, who is his twin brother and looks exactly like him, and is the reason why Vash's face is plastered all over wanted posters because they look alike. Now, Vash's older brother is basically a mass suicide, like, uh, not mass suicide, a, a mass killer um, who kind of calls a lot of people with his twisted ideology and brings basically chaos and wreck havoc on all of the post-apocalyptic towns around the area. The... Um, the 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 side character, so the girl with the blue beret, is actually not an insurance agent, but is a news reporter who is a newbie with uh, an another original character called Robert De Niro, who is not actually Millie from the original series, but a completely different character. They're news reporters trying to find the big next scoop in this post-apocalyptic world, and they encounter Vash free him from whatever he was doing earlier and that they get kind of stuck in this whirlwind of following Vash, following his story and trying to escape from the bad guy, which is his older brother. Between the two series, the original Trigun was very lighthearted. It was a lot of fun. Um, it was very goofy because Vash is a very goofy, lovable dork. And that's why a lot of American fans really liked Trigun because they liked that underdog hero who's just very goofy but kind. But when I was growing up, I wasn't really appealed to that. I always liked things that were a bit edgier. I always liked things that were a bit more dark and grim, which is why when my preference for shows came out, I preferred seinen moreover than shonen. 
And Trigun Stampede kind of hits that niche too, where there's a sense of melancholy and a sense of urgency a lot more than the original Trigun, where, you know, it's Vash trying to find his memories. This is here Vash trying to run away from his past. And I end up liking Stampede a lot more than the original, but we'll see how Studio Orange decides to execute the rest of the story because so far, um, there are like certain characters like Millie who are not offered in, in um, Trigun Stampede. So I wonder how they're going to work around that with the new character, Robert, and then also with the inclusion of uh, Wolfgang, who's going to come, who's going to should be coming up in the current. Uh, he showed up today. He was very, very hot. <laughs> okay, so Gracie confirmed. Great. I haven't watched it yet because I was not at home <laughs> that the day that it came out. So, Hosea saw voices him with a nice, nice dialect. <laughs> what dialect did he have? Uh, according to Gina, it was Kansai. <laughs> Mm. Ah, so Kansai is your preference as well. Okay, I understand that. <laughs> He's very good with it because he also did uh, Arata with the Kansai dialect in uh, Chihaya Furu, so... Ah, oh, um. okay, okay, there you go. Yeah, anyway. Gotcha. Um, no, no, I think this is perfect timing <laughs> to discuss Trigun. I've seen a lot of people struggle with trying to watch the remake because it starts off so differently compared to the original so uh but one interesting thing that i thought about when you were discussing the difference between the two is that i do feel like the anime in the past they tend to start off a little more lighthearted, no matter what you know mm-hmm. like the meandering that sort of um, what's the right way to that sort of outline for stories like the meandering before it gets to the actual plot and stuff I feel like every older anime tend to do that even if we're talking about yeah. you know FMA from 2003 there was that meandering before we got to the actual meat of the plot before you know they changed the plot because of obvious reasons the manga wasn't complete yet but even then it's like this whole chunk of time where it's just like kind of enjoying life you know you're having fun you know sort of thing it's silly and it's funny but before it gets into the hard-hitting moments so i thought that was just a thought that occurred to me when you were describing the difference between the two Mm -hmm, for sure and i think yeah i think for a lot of the the consciousness of americans because they're so stuck in that old anime mindset of it always meandering the first like 10 episodes they carry that same expectation into the new reboot, but the reboot has to conform with the fact that it's a seasonal anime. So everything has to be a lot snappier, it has to be a lot quicker, and things have to get to the point a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And it has to have some sort of appealing moment that is different than from an anime yep. structure that you would see that meanders. So for instance, in the original Trigun, it meanders because it has to. Vash has no memory of who he is or what he is, or why he's here. So it has to meander to give that longevity of a story of discovering yourself, right? But Trigun Stampede, Vash knows who he is. He knows who's after him, and it has to be fast enough to give that sense of urgency and suspense for people to keep watching. So because that it's like a different type of like pacing and requirement for the anime, they had to shift it from the reboot. And I think people have to understand that for Trigun to exist and to succeed as a reboot, it has to change dramatically the pacing so that everybody enjoys it in one sitting. Exactly. And I really think you got it. You hit the nail on the head in the fact that reboots, like they they can't be just a 
copy of the old version. You know why? No, because that'd be just yeah, that'd be just boring. Yeah, exactly. They need to have their own identity, and having their own identity requires changes, and people have to be able to accept and separate that fact. I mean, the the good news for me is because I watched the original uh of uh, that or Vash uh the Stampede or sorry. <laughs> Trigon. Trigon. <laughs> I'm thinking of the protagonist. But I watched the original Trigon so long ago that I don't actually remember much of it anymore. So because of that, I am able to start fresh without any sort of the lingering thoughts uh, behind. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. But that is kind of what you have to go into these reboots with that kind of eye to be like, this is a brand new thing. It has to have its own identity. So it just utterly right. cannot copy. If it copies it, then it's a waste of time and money. You know, so... <laughs> Exactly. And it's also like boring. Like who wants to watch like a copy of the same series over and over again? You might as well just rewatch the old series and save yourself some time. Exactly. And then the one thing that I did want to note is that I was remember while watching the episode three of the of the reboot for Trigun, they there's a lot of comments saying that people were conflicted with the first two episodes, but they really liked episode three because the CGI enhances so much of how vicious oh my gosh is. that was like straight out of a horror film when he was attacking right? people and yeah <laughs> it was it was so good and i think people kind of got that they kind of got reju- rejuvenated from that kind of like oh it's a reboot ew it's not following the original but they got the sense like oh my god knives is a threat because in the original trigun Knives doesn't come until so much later on. I think until the very then, like, end, from my understanding. Until the very yeah. end. And then yeah. most people were kind of like, oh, like, Knives, oh, he's the antagonist, whatever. But now they feel it up in their face in episode three. And they're like, oh, shit things are getting actually real one of my so favorite comments part. on crunchyroll it was literally someone being like oh they weren't exaggerating or making a nickname when they call him a million dollars oh my god yeah i saw that comment too it was it's re- it's you know studio orange is doing a fantastic job with cgi there i mean cgi always has its limitations as well but because they can do so much with post-apocalyptic sci-fi that it feels so much more real than a standard 2d animation yeah i think it also helps that a lot of the landscape in trigon is kind of like desert land so like it's like a lot of just sky and sand so you could probably you could probably get away with that or like focus more on the details like the knives and things like mm, that rather than that is a the good landscape. point yeah mm-hmm. and they can really f- kind of like put in a lot of other post-apocalyptic like inspirations like i know the the doctor not the doctor the the bomber guy mm-hmm. like the moment he came out of his little like carousel of like spikes and wheels and was like rolling around in this is like little car i, I got I, immediate I like mad because i, I know they were criminals but i did think they were cute <laughs> like, <you know? laughs> they, they were they, they were very cute when knives showed up oh. <laughs> you're just like oh damn they're kind of cute because knives is so vicious <laughs> Are these enemies in the original Trigun as well? That is a very good question that I don't know and I don't remember. See, I definitely don't remember. Because, yeah, when Stampede came out, I started doing like the episode one and then I went back to watch episode one of the original version. And by episode three, I'm sitting here like, I can't do this anymore. It's like two different stories. They're so different. Yeah, it's completely two different stories. I don't think Mm -hmm. it's worth trying to compare the two but it's worth trying to sit down and watch at least one of them at a time yeah. rather than mm-hmm. do like a direct comparison and even then i believe the original vash stampede uh, not vash stampede the original trigun anime also has sort of like a fillerish ending 
and then they had a movie afterwards too. So it didn't actually completely adapt the entire uh, series. Um, And so a lot of fans are also wondering if Trigun Stampede will either be its own original story that is completely separate from the manga or will take elements from the manga and incorporate it at the end. So that's a possibility for the future for this upcoming season. Alrighty then. So with that being said, thank you for talking about Trigon very timely in regards to currently Hell airing yeah. and the topic. So now let's uh, revisit some of my classics. I've actually watched a lot of anime, even as a kid, but it's actually it's not the same way as I do now, because the reason why I watched a lot of anime as a kid is actually I didn't know their anime. I was renting DVDs after Chinese school in Chinatown, and the DVDs were animation movies that were in Chinese dubbed. And so for the longest time, I thought I was watching Chinese media, since there are a lot of Chinese animation as well. China and Japan shares this. You know, my childhood was literally just animation. And so I didn't know there was a distinction between the two. And it wasn't until I was older and I started looking back and I would see mentions of like, oh, throwback to this old anime. I was like, oh, my God, that was an anime. <laughs> like I, I wasn't watching it just like a Chinese animation. So I've watched a lot. And for that reason, but for a reason that isn't on purpose with that being said. So. My first revisit I want to talk about is more for a funny reason, because I watched an isekai, or before isekai became isekai, I realized that I watched an isekai back when I was in, let's see, like the beginning of high school, I think, or something like that, Before I, right before I had quit anime because school got too busy for me. But it is called Kyokara Mao. Have any of you guys heard about that? <laughs> Uh, oh, so. the one with the the. There's a very popular meme of the the demon like queen, like kind of getting up in front of the camera and her boobs jiggle, and then the the meme is just this plot on her boobs. Right? Yes, yes. Okay, that's that me. That's right. Okay, I did watch like the first like three episodes of that series, but I just could not stick to it. So okay, so Kyo kind of Mao was weird to me as a kid. <laughs> it is very weird. I remember that too. Uh, to give you an idea of the premise, Isabel, this guy got isekai'd by getting bullied and getting his head pushed into a toilet. And the contact with water activated magic that sent him into another world. Um, okay, so that's okay. the premise. But here's the bigger thing. I definitely didn't realize I was watching a BL isekai because this is actually very boys lovey and it just wait it's a BL it is it flew over my head completely as a kid and when I remembered it I was like hey not hey not <laughs> like something about this isn't working the same way that I remembered it and then I realized that it was essentially a boys love isekai very comedic by the way so how this isekai works is that the main character he is actually a reincarnation of like the first demon king of another world so he got reincarnated onto earth and so that's why he has the power to essentially go between the worlds without really knowing about it but the cool thing about this isekai because 
in today's modern isekai, when you get to another world, you give up your life on Earth. You know, like, it's it's goodbye to that. But that's not the case for the main character. Yuri, when he goes to another world, time literally stops on Earth. And so when he gets back to Earth, he basically loses no seconds or, like, wastes any time in his life. So he still gets to experience all of his Earth's life without, you know... Or he gets to have all these adventures in the Sekai life without really giving up his own life with that. And it's, it also makes sense why he wouldn't. He actually has really loving parents and they actually play a pretty big role later in the story. So uh, so that's like a big difference between the Sekai's back then and or specifically this one and now. But yes, it was a BL because one of the first few episodes where he didn't really know the demon world's uh the demon world's customs is that he pointed a particular utensil. Oh no, no. He slapped one of the uh demon princes because that demon prince insulted his mom and he was like, no one insults my parents, especially my mom. So he slaps him. But in that world, apparently slapping on the cheek is a proposal. <laughs> So he proposed to this prince and the prince is like this pretty boy, like blonde hair, green eyes sort of thing. And um, and so but then the prince gets at mad that he got proposed to. And so like knocked all these utensils over. And so he was just like, why did you do that? And then he picked up the utensils and accidentally pointed them at the prince, which ended up being a duel. <laughs> so he asked the prince that he just proposed to to duel him. And essentially what was so they so they had to go through with it even though he was like i don't fight i don't have any magic like why are you making me do this um but they make him go through with it and the whole thing is if he wins the duel then the uh then the proposal has to stick even though he doesn't even want to let it stick but then um but then it's like if the prince wins the duel then the proposal gets annulled essentially and he's like okay that's great then i'm just gonna lose because i don't have any powers what's Whatsoever. But what he didn't know is that the um the demon's reincarnation soul, like the soul that he has, has like memories locked away. And so at very random times or at very specific moments of danger, it will reawaken and he won't be himself. He will essentially become the original demon key who is extraordinarily, extraordinarily powerful. And so when the uh, when the prince, his name was Wolfram, I think. So when Wolfram like went after Yuri with like the intent to kill, essentially, the soul, you know, notice danger unlocked memories he became the demon king and completely wipes the floor with wolfram and so um so he wins and they ended up being betrothed and they stayed betrothed the entire series and it's wow. just really really funny and i think back and there's like actually a lot of scenes between them like they basically adopt a kid and they're raising a kid together at one point and it's not like an uncommon thing for them to like sleep in the same bed or stuff like that and i'm just like huh now that i think about it this is actually a ble sekai even though it flew over my head as a kid like i don't know why i saw that and i was like they're just good friends i'm glad they're bonding <laughs> so um so that's a very 
fun sort of classic that I revisited. And even back then, what's funny is I didn't like it. I And it wasn't to do with the BL or anything. I just didn't like the concept of isekai. So clearly my tastes haven't changed that much. But I do appreciate the fact that it was really, really funny. And it was definitely a lot more lighthearted than isekais are now, even just from the premise. Because once again, he doesn't have to give up anything to go to this other world. He loves his parents. He, you know, wants to stay with them. And he has an older brother as well, who he also loves a lot. And so, um, you know, he gets to go back to his world and live his full human life. And then when he wants to go back to the demon world and solve their problems and have adventures with this very beautiful betrothed prince. And so, uh, so that's like one of the old ones that I've remembered recently that I kind of revisited. I was like, man, what a wild anime. So... <laughs> I'm surprised that, Agnes, you've heard about it, but I didn't realize that it had become a meme was the thing. <laughs> you know, I thought we were talking about the same series, but we actually were talking about the Oh, we aren't? Okay, series. okay. No, there was another Demon demon Lord anime that came out around that same time. Not the, the Demon Lord's a part-timer, but another Demon Lord anime. Let me, let me double-check what that was, because I looked it up, and I was just like, wait, these visuals aren't matching to the one that I wrote. <laughs> but doesn't Kyo look very shoujo like when you looked it up <laughs> it does it looks very show it looks very shonen eye yes yes that's correct that's the term that they used uh back then not so much bl but they use like shonen eye mm-hmm. but it was uh it was a subtle uh like a subtle like cover-up for the fact that it was actually a bl because like for instance you have like 07 ghosts right that came out like way 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 back then. oh that was good and that <laughs> that was considered shonen eye but it definitely had a lot of bl undertones when you go back and you look at yeah, it. yeah exactly yes oh man that was a that was a wild anime guys <laughs> i'm so curious on the one that you were talking about then because there was a moment where the mom um the demon the demon uh, the prince's mom she's not the queen actually but um she also have very voluptuous chest shall we say so <laughs> mm, i have a silly question when when the character was switching back and forth like is it his interaction with water or did he just like will himself to go back into because you said before he he was like dunked into like a toilet he had to do like the same thing every time he had to go back. I just thought that would be silly if he had to. Yes, it was specifically with the water. But the thing was before he had control over his abilities to go back and forth between the worlds, it would just come randomly and at very oh. inopportune times. Like one time. So he later meets another guy who ends up like his it's actually his classmate who also was like a reincarnated version from that world. But it was the Demon King's um uh, old advisor like you know best friend advisor who got reincarnated into the world as well so they got reincarnated together in earth on earth specifically but they were hanging out with each other and i think he had like gotten um i think he had gotten muddy or yuri the main character had gotten muddy or somehow and so he was taking a quick bath with um his with the other classmate there but then while he was in the bath just suddenly he feels himself getting pulled into the other world and Mm -hmm. his friend had to be like now we're going now okay hang on hang on he has to like get in the bath too Oh, Gracie, I know what the, the series I was referring to. That's why I was so confused. It was called Mao Yu Mao Yusha because it's the, the demon lord and the hero. Oh, where the hero oh, goes to vanquish yes, the demon lord. Yes, I but he didn't this. realize 
that the demon lord is actually a demon queen and she has like these ginormous boobs. Yes. That's the gift that, that I was, was a fun anime to. too, actually. Yes. <laughs> oh man, good times, good times. <laughs> I'm sorry, I completely misinterpreted the conversation because of one title. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, either way, it um it's hilarious, is what I wanted to say, and I have newfound appreciation for it. So even though I didn't like it as a kid at all, and yet even though I didn't like it, I watched all the episodes, which was a lot. So don't ask. <laughs> Some things do not change. But also, shockingly enough, you know, like it's we always talk about how like Isekai made like the biggest boon after Sword Art Online came out in 2012. Mm-hmm. But the more that we look back at old anime, like we look back, like I watched the Twelve Kingdoms recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You watch Kill Kata Mao, and then Quok our overlord watched vision, the vision of Escaflone. Mm-hmm. All three of those are old school isekai. Mm, you're Regardless right. Regardless of what we say about it, they're all old school isekai, but we never thought about labeling it or considering it as such until the boon of isekai in like 2012. Yeah. And so that's like really fascinating how like all of this still like goes under the radar, but we're just like, y'all, these are, <laughs> these are these isekai. Are isekai. Yeah. <laughs> You go watch it. These are old isekais, but they're good isekais. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to some degree. I don't know if Kyokaramo is actually good or not. Look, it's but. entertaining, and who am I to judge the fact that Yuri decided to slap Wolfram and propose to him, you know? So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So my second one, I actually, like I said, I had a bit of a hard time choosing, so I'm going to have to go with... Um, I think I've, t- so I was between Lucky Star and Galaxy 999, uh, but I think I've mm. mentioned Galaxy 999 before, so I'm going to go ahead and skip that one, um, but uh, so instead I'm going to talk about Lucky Star. So Lucky Star was probably my first ever Slice of Life anime before I even knew what Slice of Life was, and I watched it when I was in sixth grade, but I wonder when did it come out actually, I don't exactly remember. Um, let's see. It came out in... 2006? Uh, ma- uh, 2007. Yes, so that's... Close. I was very close. So that's okay. correct. I actually was watching it when it was coming out. Um, so that was my first time experiencing Slice of Life anime, but it was a perfect timing because around the time when I was in middle school, I started becoming creating not creating but I started being in groups of friends that were specifically girls so I was essentially going through exactly what the girls in Lucky Star were going through for the first time because you know as kids your friends kind of blend between the genders at least for me like I didn't have like specifically a group of girls to be my friends it was like oh I had friends and there were guys and there were girls but then in middle school in particular is when I started to be in circles specifically with girls. And I think it has to do with the fact that our bodies are changing. And so um, so that separation started to happen more. Uh, it was my friend who saw Lucky Star clips on YouTube because she was also into anime. And she said that those characters reminded her of us. And so I got really curious and then I decided to watch it. And it did. It was very, very similar to the group of girls that I was friends with, which tells you how kind of universal the roles of like slice of life, uh, cute girls doing cute, cute things are. There's always the loud one, you know, there's always the responsible one. There's always the quiet one. So, um, so I thought it was, so I thought it was really cute, but I really enjoyed it simply because I felt like it was a reflection of me and my friends, but funnier with some crazier things going on. But, um, it's, it's, 
I look back at it fondly. I wouldn't rewatch it simply because, you know, I don't really feel the need to. And I just loved it for what it was back then. And it was perfect timing in regards to when I was watching it. But one thing that I remember being shocked by is learning that it was created by Kyoto Animation. So Lucky Star was probably my first Kyoto Animation anime. And I think that was one of their earliest anime that they've animated as well. So there's also that. Um, so it's a lot of firsts. And um, so it holds a really nice part of my heart because of that. So yeah, that's uh, that's my second one I um, wanted to briefly discuss about. Did any of you guys watch Lucky Star? Only clips. I, I didn't have the patience to sit through Lucky Star. Because <laughs> Slice of Life was not my thing growing up. Yeah, I hadn't heard of Lucky Star, especially when I was growing up. So I think... I definitely just missed it. At this point, If I feel, I feel like if I went back to watch, I wouldn't enjoy it as much or I might feel bored of it. Um, but I don't know. The, I feel like the girls, they seem like very, at least from the designs, they look like very exciting characters, especially to hang out like on a daily basis or it feels like for the slice of life, just kind of seeing what they do during school. And, and, did you, and you said like, because you had groups of friends that were girls, this is like kind of like the dynamic that you expected from them or did you copy anything from the show at all you know brought it up to your friends or did you make them watch lucky star <laughs> um i don't think so it was just me and my other friend from uh, middle school who first watched it but like how we saw it was the blue haired girl she was uh she was my friend who watched it because she was kind of like wild <laughs> and um <laughs> did whatever she wanted and stuff and i was actually the responsible girl in the group so i was the purple haired girl with the long hair and then we all also had another girl in our group who was really shy and quiet so that was the purple haired girl with the short hair and it really just fit all the dynamics perfectly and so um so it really was like watching ourselves and then oh and of course I love the opening theme song because I thought it was just so funny with the with the whole like dance and stuff like that um and then later I discovered someone made an FMA version so I loved it even more <laughs> um but yeah, that's that's really it. I didn't really copy anything in regards to the show. I just really felt like it was us. I was watching us on screen. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really awesome. And I feel like this is kind of like the start. And then there's like a lot of other shows now, you know, cute girls doing cute things that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just happy yeah. and silly, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, first Slice of Life anime, first Kyoto Animation anime, one of Kyoto Animation's first anime, you know. Lots of things going on, very fond memories, and I don't regret it one bit for sure. Alrighty, so uh, I think that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed our revisiting of classic anime. And, you know, let us know, please, or actually, you know, please check out some of these older anime. We've got some, they've got some really great and funny things, in all honesty. I think there's a lot to be enjoyed, and, and there's, you know, it's always good to discover something new that could potentially be your favorite. So with that being said, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode and I hope you guys will still be here with us next time. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.